0: Welcome to this episode of the Tax Chick Podcast. I am doing another crossover episode, I'm so excited, uh, with my friend Michael Gandhi and he is a certified financial planner based out of Vancouver, BC. And he joined the financial industry as an advisor in 2008 and he said it was just weeks Before the financial crisis of that same year and he really quickly realized that what clients needed the most was a trusted professional, somebody who's proactive in their work and communication because that's what makes people feel safe. He is a problem solver for business owners and professionals alike and his expertise is in financial planning for business owners and medical professionals and he's very passionate about solving problems related to tax, estate and insurance planning. He and I have talked a lot about the value of collaborative planning. We've had many conversations about this. And he told me that his most exciting time is when he gets to collaborate with other advisors on behalf of his clients. He works with a world-class team that specializes in high-level wealth management and retirement planning. And of course, as a business owner himself, uh, he understands what it's like to run a business. And he has a bit of a natural curiosity to learn about his clients and their businesses and try to solve their problems. And Mehul is also the host, the founder, the creator of a really awesome podcast called the Mind Your Biz Podcast. And if you are not currently listening to this podcast, I encourage you to go find it and start listening right away. He interviews entrepreneurs and other advisors, and he provides business advice. And he looks at business from the broader perspective. So not just about, well, where is your money going or, you know, what are your business processes? But what do you need as a business owner from the broader perspective? What are your mental health needs, your physical health needs? You know, what does your team look like? Um, what do you What do you need to do to know how to communicate with your employees? All of these different things. He picks a different aspect of business for each of his episodes and tackles it. Uh, this is a wonderful resource for Canadian business owners. So we were chatting, as we have been doing over the last year, about some of the common problems that we've been running into with our estate planning clients and thought, hey, it would be really fun to do a crossover episode where we taped some of our conversations to share them with you. And so that's what we did. So we're tackling a few things today. We're talking a bit about some of the foundational estate planning concepts. So what is a will, a power of attorney, a healthcare directive, a trust, We're talking about retirement income planning and how that connects with your basic foundational estate planning documents. And then we're also talking a bit about planning at the end in terms of how you're going to equalize things or how you're going to divide things amongst your family. And this age-old question that we often get asked by clients about, well, how do I make things fair between my kids? And so we talk a bit about how fair does not mean equal. And that there are some different solutions that you can put in place to make sure everybody is looked after while still making sure that your retirement planning is looked after. So we approach this from a very collaborative perspective, and we each share the piece that we would bring to the table for our clients uh, if they have these issues. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. So without further ado, on to the episode. Well, I'm really excited today because I'm doing another crossover episode. I tried it once. I liked it. So I'm doing it again with somebody that I have been communicating with now for over a year and he started his own podcast. I really admire what he's doing for the business community. So Mayhul is here with me today from the Mind Your Biz podcast. I am so excited. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thank you for this, for coming up with this idea. Like this is, um, I've never done this before. You are, you're a veteran, second time, (laughs) a pro and I'm I'm the rookie here who's who's, uh, just learning the ropes of what a crossover episode is. Um, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. uh, And I can't believe it's been a year since we've kind of been chatting, it's hilarious.
0: I know, and we, we should have had the recording on for the last half an hour because we were catching up on each other's lives <laughs> and then we were sharing information on podcast equipment and it was a good chat, but that's okay. We've pressed record now and we are we are good to go. <laughs> so I because you have not been a guest on my podcast before, I, I asked your permission for me to uh, start my episode with the two questions that I like to ask all of my guests. Uh, Cause I'm actually, I'm really interested to hear your answer. So my, my first question is what is the last podcast you listened to or your favorite podcast?
1: Yeah. Um, the last podcast I listened to was, um, the all in podcast and it is definitely, uh, one of my top favorite, my favorite podcasts, I would say, if not my most favorite, it is in the top three for sure. So it's the all in podcast. It is a group or four um, individuals in the U S guys that are like all very wealthy and somehow made their money in tech. And then from there went to uh, got, got into more of the venture capital investing type of realm. Um, one of them, uh, Chamat Haliapitiya I think is how you pronounce his last name is uh become quite well known in, in California for creating these SPACs, which have, uh, been, well, we're doing really, really well. And he's had a couple of, uh, a couple of, uh, a little bit of volatility, let's put it that way, but they're very well-read. They, um, have a really great sort of vibe between all of them. They don't always agree you can tell they're very good friends off the show. Um, and, uh, it, it's great. It's a great show to get sort of, um, learned up on what's going on in the U S and, 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 both politically in the tech world and the business world. Um, but also just to have a laugh.
0: That's awesome. I'm going to pop that in the show notes because I hadn't heard about that one. So I, I appreciate you, you telling me about that one. And then the other question, and I guess you and I have DM, so I kind of know what your answer might be, but we've never texted. <laughs> um, what, what is the emoji you use most often when you text?
1: It has to be the thumbs up.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it has to be.
1: I, 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 and, I, I and it's funny because. My my wife gives me uh, a bit of a hard time for that. She's like, "You just thumbs up everything," and I'm like, "Yeah, thumbs up can mean so many things. Like that's good. Yes, you may proceed. You you're right. You are correct. You know whatever. Like it's 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 a it's a very versatile emoji. And that's why I use it so much."
0: Sometimes it's a bit of a triggering emoji for me because when my mother uses the thumbs up, it means she's mad. Because normally oh. she'll put like like a heart and like a kissy face or something, and so if she just gives me a thumbs up, I'm like, oh, I did something. I'm in trouble. It's kind of <laughs>
1: like the emoji version of K.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or I'm, fu- or I'm fine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we were thinking that we we had so many things we wanted to talk about, but I mean, you have a business podcast, I have a tax podcast, and with you being a, a financial advisor and a wealth advisor and myself being a lawyer, we've had lots of conversations about collaborative planning and about the importance of the advisory team combining their expertise, coming together and trying to solve problems for the client. And so I think we thought today We would sort of do this episode almost like a collaboration and in terms of bringing our respective expertise to the table to talk about some issues that we're seeing pop up a lot for our clients. And so I'm really excited to hear your take on this and and I can give my take on this, but we want to talk about estate planning Mm -hmm. and we want to talk about uh, retirement planning and sort of that investment piece. And then also this idea of, of passing down wealth to the next generation and some of the big picture issues that pop up. And I I think that we should dive in. I, I'm really excited.
1: I'm excited too. And what's kind of cool is we've spoken about it. And you know, in theory, this sounds so great to sort of work in collaboration with other advisors. And, and, and for any business owners that are listening, you probably think, hey, this sounds like a cool concept. Well, I think today what's going to happen is we're going to almost demo what it would be like around these huge topics like very important topics for for business owners and 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 sort of higher net worth individuals um farmers um you know um, what does it actually look how do how do our minds come together and how do we collaborate using our areas of expertise and there's probably a couple of other advisors we'd probably we would want to round this all out but um yeah i'm excited to do this
0: and I think too, if, if you're a business owner and you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, how how do advisors end up collaborating? I think as a starting point, if if your advisor is not a collaborative advisor, you need to find one who's prepared to be collaborative because it's going to cost you more in the long run. And it's going to cost you a lot of pain in the long run if all of your advisors are working in silos on their own and not talking to each other. And so, as you've as you've mentioned, like there's more people in the mix here than we have today on our podcast. So mm-hmm. we would we would definitely want to have an accountant in the mix. We might want to have the bookkeeper in the mix. If there's some sort of internal controller, we want to have them in the mix. If there's an insurance advisor, if there's a trusted advisor of the family, all of those people would want to be in the mix, too. But the idea being typically the client is coming to one of us and they're expressing some sort of concern and the concern may not come out as I need to update my will. The concern might be, I have three kids and I'm really starting to worry about how I'm going to make sure that they're each feeling like I've treated them fairly when I pass away, or I'm really worried because I have too much debt over here or I'm really worried about if I pass away unexpectedly and my spouse is left behind, will there be enough money? Those are typically the questions that we're hearing. And usually they're coming to you or they're coming to me and they're starting to raise that question. And then it ends up being one of us getting on the phone with the other and saying, hey, um, we got permission from the client to talk to you. Here's what they're telling me, what are you hearing? Are there any other issues we should try to solve at the same time?
1: Yeah, exactly. Typically, they're not coming to us with obvious questions, uh, but a lot of them are emotion-based uh, and in, in certain cases, fear-based, uh, fear being the the, the the more sort of uh, overwhelming emotion that a client's coming to us with. And, and we have to be not only empathetic, but also uh, have the wherewithal to sort of tease away what is it on the technical side that they're really trying to get after And how can we lend our, our expertise to actually solve the problem? So it's not just about empathy, empathy and listening. That's obviously the very uh, first step and obviously very important, but then it's like, okay, let's really get to the crux of what's happening, um, whether it's in the business or in the family dynamic, and then are there solutions um, or strategies that we can advise on that can maybe Uh, rectify or or put this client at ease and certainly I think you and I have both been in situations uh, with families and the clients where um, we've done just that.
0: Well and I think too we were talking a bit before the recording came on about about the intersection of tax with this type of planning and how you know it is very important for the clients to understand well here's the tax consequence of these various options but tax is not in and of itself the only determining factor. Mm-hmm. And so when we're having these conversations with clients, you know, if I get a client that comes to me and says, well, I want to pay the least amount of tax possible. I go, oh, okay. I might not be the right advisor for you if that's what you want, but here's the, here's the solution. That's going to have you pay the least amount of tax possible, but here are all the other things. This solution is going to create for you that you may not like. So I think our job too, is to help balance out all of these, I guess, consequences of decisions, and helping the clients to kind of wrestle with which consequence they're prepared to live with.
1: Spot on. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I could have said it better myself. And only, only to add the sort of uh, somewhat well-known phrase in our in our in our respective industries of uh, you know, don't let the the tax dog uh, uh or sorry, the tax tail wag the dog, right? Or wag the planning That's dog, right. because, That's right. uh, if you're going in there with your sole motivation of reducing tax, or, you know, in the case of British Columbia, reducing probate fees or probate tax, however you want to call it, um, you are going to make some inadvertent, uh, errors, uh, especially mm-hmm. when you're not consulting the right professionals. Um, and it's, it's funny because, um, there's a ton of sort of information out there on how to reduce, you know, capital gains tax or probate fees and things like that. But, you know, so you can maybe do some of those things yourself kind of DIY it without really knowing what the consequences are. And uh, I'm glad we're having this conversation.
0: Well, and I wonder if maybe the best way to sort of start this is to lay a little bit of foundation um, mm. so that when we're we're talking about some more complicated concepts, we've got at least the the foundations in place. And so perhaps maybe what we can do is is I can give a little summary of sort of some of the key estate planning documents that I'm typically called upon to speak to. And then I'd, I'd really like to turn it over to you to, to talk about the pieces that typically you're being brought in on on these sort of estate planning discussions. Would, would that work for you?
1: I love it. Let's do it.
0: Okay. So, in terms of estate planning, I used to call it the three-legged stool. Um, I think there's more legs on the stool now, but the the three the three key <laughs> legs, I digress. I the, the three key legs are are the will, which of course operates uh once you've passed away. And then there's the power of attorney. And the power of attorney can cover both your property, things like your bank accounts, your house, things like that, as well as your person. So Personal decisions about you, like what you're going to wear and where you will live and who you get to see and what activities you get to participate in. And the power of attorney operates while you're alive. As soon as you pass away, of course, the power of attorney is gone and we now look to your will. And there's options with the power of attorney as to whether or not you want it to come into effect immediately or whether you want to wait until you no longer have capacity to make those decisions for yourself. And then the third sort of stool that we typically talk about or or leg on the stool is the healthcare directive, which is sometimes referred to as the living will. Mm -hmm. And this document deals with healthcare decisions. So this is, you know, the DNR, the do not resuscitate order, those sorts of things. And and those are the three key documents we talk about. Outside of that, though, I, I do find there's a fourth area that I'm being asked about more and more often by clients, and that's the area of trust. And so, I mean, a trust uh, without getting into too much detail is, is a type of vehicle or a type of, of ownership. And if you think about a trust as somebody puts some stuff into a box for the good of other people and somebody is left in charge of that box. And so the person that puts stuff into the box Um, they're, they're trying to, to make sure that it's available for the future for other individuals. The person in charge of the box is called the trustee, the people who get stuff from the box are the beneficiaries. And there's lots of people that want to implement complex trust planning. And, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure where people are hearing about complex trust planning, but for some reason it's popping up all the time now in my meetings and trusts are a great vehicle. But trusts have their own little idiosyncrasies. There are now new filing requirements with Canada Revenue Agency if you have a trust. And there's also not always the greatest tax consequences with a trust, depending on when it's created in the timing. So the will, the healthcare directive, the power of attorney, and the trust are typically the foundational documents that I'm usually looking at. But I'd like to turn it over to you now and just what are the what are the pieces of the estate plan that you're typically addressing?
1: yeah i think before i jump in i would say to sort of add to your comment there on you're seeing a lot of this especially on complex trust trust planning i think a lot of it is because of where we are uh in in this sort of uh silver tsunami of uh you know intergenerational wealth transfer uh that is is where it's happening you know we talked about it for years i'm sure when you became a lawyer certainly when i became a planner uh, uh that was the hot topic. Oh, well, beware, because in the next X amount of years, we're going to see gajillion dollars of wealth transfer. Well, guess what? It's happening right now, uh, right under our noses. And so people are becoming savvy quickly around this kind of planning because it's important and they're living mm-hmm. it. And uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, so to answer your question, uh, there are two other things that where, where I would sort of be involved in uh, and, and that I find uh, are important or relevant to this topic, which is one beneficiary designation. So we talk about the will, we talk about trusts, um, but there are ways, uh, there are uh, opportunities to directly uh, name beneficiaries on particular investment accounts or savings accounts uh, or pieces of property, which uh, which will uh, sort of mean that you will not need to use a trust or a will. Okay, so the most common that we can maybe think of is perhaps the RRSP or the RIF, right? So these are registered retirement accounts uh, that most Canadians are familiar with. Um, And in these accounts, in most provinces, uh, you can leave a direct beneficiary, right? Quebec being the one province where you you can't on on RRSPs. Uh, But that being said, uh, uh, that makes it uh, seemingly quite simple. All right, so I'm going to name a beneficiary for my for my uh, for my RSP, and when I pass away, that individual is going to get the RSP. Uh, now, let's take let's, let's let's assume that we're not talking about your spouse or or common law partner. We're talking about a child uh, or next of kin issue. Uh, um, it's not really as simple as it seems uh, because there are some tax consequences or at least uh, nuances around tax that you need to be aware of. That can affect the rest of your estate. And we'll get into that when we talk about equalization. Um, So, uh, and then the other thing is you can now start, you know, you can also add beneficiaries to other types of accounts, but you just have to make sure you're doing it in the right way. Another place where beneficiaries, the word beneficiary comes up, and I'm sure our listeners probably know where I'm going with this, is, is on insurance, specifically life insurance. So, we're talking about estate planning and wanting to leave things, property, uh, wealth, so it, uh, wealth for the next generation. Uh, what what simpler way than, than than a life insurance policy, right? Uh, at some point, you take out a life insurance policy. You name your beneficiaries. When you pass away, the money goes to them, uh, and it's usually you know uh, very simple, uh, very quick. Um, there there's no need to uh, worry about trustees and things like that, assuming that the beneficiaries are are uh, age of majority and old enough to sort of know what to do with the money. Um, and, and it can be a very versatile tool in estate planning and in tax planning and on all that great stuff. So that those are the areas where I think we would, we would um intersect. Um, that being said, when we are making beneficiary designations on registered accounts and on life insurance, we are uh, as at least my firm uh and the way I operate is we are always going to want to see the will as well. Um, and, and that's good practice and it's because we want to make sure that the beneficiaries that are being designated through the insurance policy or the the registered accounts um, there's no there's no sort of conflict or disharmony with what's being in, what the intentions are through the will right
0: that that's music to my ears. I'm so pleased <laughs> to hear that that you guys are worried about that.
1: Yeah and I'm sure we can maybe we can give them a, a simple example here of where you know you and I might, uh, see an issue, right? So let's say, for example, um, I've left, uh, uh, sorry, a client of mine has, has requested that their son uh, becomes the, is the beneficiary on their RRSP or on their RIF, okay? So they've named the son as the beneficiary, 100%, and, um, and in the will, uh, it states something to the effect of uh, the, uh, the individual would like their estates uh, split 50-50 evenly across uh, their children and issue. Um, and, and so now we have a problem, don't we,
0: we, we have a problem. And I, I think, (laughs) I think that happens so often. I I recorded an episode on some of these topics back in September with Christine van Cowenberg of, of IG wealth. And she was telling me about this case that had just come out of Ontario. And it was a lawyer who had, and I'm going to get the facts wrong, I'm sure. But it was a lawyer who had, had met with this client who was, who told him uh, with absolute certainty that he had gone and changed his beneficiary designation to be i think a, a his new spouse and then he died and it turned out that the beneficiary designation was actually his mother and his mother didn't like the new spouse and there was a whole commotion and and when when i hear about a case like that i think oh somebody didn't communicate with somebody because it's not that i don't trust my clients that's not the issue it's that things happen and we all forget what we did and so i always say to the clients let's get it in writing let's mm-hmm. just Pull up the confirmation. What does it say? Let's make sure it matches. Um yeah. because otherwise, as you said, we, we have these inconsistencies. And it's not that there isn't a way in the law to reconcile the inconsistencies because Correct. there can be in certain circumstances, but it's expensive, it's time consuming. And if you've gone through the trouble of designating a beneficiary because you're trying to make things easier and you're trying to save money, well, by having this inconsistency, you've now just undone all the good things you tried to do.
1: Correct. Exactly. So, you know, in this particular situation, let's say that, you know, the 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 mother or the individual uh, felt that they were going to achieve that that sort of uh, 50-50 split by leaving, you know, $300,000 RSP to the son. And let's say there was approximately $300,000 of uh, other assets that were going to pass through the will to the daughter. Well, they're each getting $300,000. That seems great. However, we have a tax problem where uh, the taxation on the RSPs, which will count as income for the deceased individual, the parent in this case, um, needs to be paid. And uh, that does that that tax does not is will does not have to be paid through from the RRSP. So the son who received the RSP is not on the hook for the tax bill on that RSP, which seems a little weird, but that's the way it works. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in fact, who is who is on the hook is the estate. And if that is the bulk of that estate or all of that estate is going to the daughter, in essence, it's the daughter that's going to have to pay the tax bill for that RSP, who's going to the son, which is going to the son. And now we've kind of messed up that equalization or that balance that the mother was trying to create, uh-huh. right? But uh-huh. had the will been consulted prior to that, the advisor might have said, listen, why don't we do one of two things? Why don't we make both of your kids 50-50 des- uh, beneficiaries on this RSP?" to avoid this whole issue and then they can and they can also be 50/50 desi- uh, beneficiaries of your of your estate and then they can figure out the tax amongst the two of them to make it uh fair and equitable or let's just leave everything in the estate and have the estate figure it out mm-hmm. right now Absolutely. i know you right so those those there's a very simple example that we could run into every time and if i don't you know get on the horn and and or or send an email out to amanda and say, hey amanda listen we're working on a mutual client here, you've done the will for them, can I take a peek at it? Or this is what we're doing based on what you've done already. Do you think this is the right thing to do or should we be you know, looking at something else? Mm-hmm. There's there's the two of us collaborating around a client under, over something very, very simple, but would have definitely saved um, some heartache, uh, possibly some conflict between siblings and and, and, and would have uh, definitely helped achieve truly what, what the parent wanted.
0: Well, and and I don't know if you've been noticing this, but the the big area where I find collaboration to be even more important is when we have blended families Mm -hmm. um, and second marriages, because that's when I find we're really seeing a disconnect sometimes where people haven't thought through that the spouse is not the parent of the children and that spouse may have their own children from a previous relationship. And how is the money flowing? Like we almost have to do the flow chart of okay, if this person dies, here's where it's going. If this person dies, here's where it's going. And how can we make sure that if one person dies first and the other receives it all, that there's still something left for the kids? And, and how are we going to kind of maneuver that? And and it does, there's many options available, mm-hmm. but it requires some planning. It requires some discussions.
1: It really does. Uh we've been involved in a few of those and 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 it's, it's an interesting dynamic because I, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I've always said, you know, I would love to have been a lawyer. Uh, I think I could have done, a, you know, done it. Uh, but I, I think would not, you would have
0: been a great lawyer. I think you would have been, been a great okay
1: lawyer. at it, but I would have been, I would not, I don't know if I would want to be in the room in a situation like that. Like you have a couple, like maybe it's, you know, second marriage for one or both of them and they each have kids from separate marriages and all of a sudden now they're talking about their estate planning and and it comes up and the lawyer has to ask the right I mean you've done this you've asked the question well what happens if you know say you know Joe passes away first and oh yeah I want everything to go to Sally okay well when Sally passes away well I want everything to go to my kids well, what about Joe's kids right and and now they're they're looking at each other well yeah what about my kids what about my kids and you're kind of like Ugh, awkward um but yeah you there's definitely some planning that can achieve exactly what they want to have done to make sure it is fair for everybody um but without actually going through the steps and collaborating uh with the other advisors you're not going to achieve it and, and you definitely don't want to diy this one because there's some a lot of moving parts here whether it is a trust um depending on their age and 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 you and use using the will and 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 leaving different assets to different people, name beneficiaries, whatever it is, life insurance, there's lots of different ways to achieve it, but you got to have that conversation.
0: Well, and my undergrad is in psychology and I, I've i joked many times that I use my psych degree far more than my law degree because estate planning is very emotional. And, mm-hmm. and it's one of the things I actually really love about estate planning is that you really get the opportunity not just to find out people's dirt. That's not That's not why I enjoy it. I've heard some pretty <laughs> crazy things in the last 14 years, but that's not necessarily why I enjoy it. But you you get a chance to really be a part of someone's family. Mm-hmm. I think you really reach in and you you hear about what are the fears? What are the things that are worrying us? And you see the dynamics. And oftentimes you do have to almost like mediate a settlement between family members and talk about, well, here's what you want. Here's what you want. Here's how I can get you both what you want, but here's the downside to that. And, and I've often used that concept of buckets. I I stole it from somebody. I I was working with another advisor, um, at BMO years ago who used this concept of buckets and I'm like, I like it. And so we always talk about, you know, which, which buckets are available. We've got the business bucket. We have the investment bucket. We have, you know, the discretionary funds bucket and who's getting the stuff in the bucket. And I will literally draw a bucket. Mm. and put people's names below it. And it's sometimes people need that visual to really understand, you know, what they're doing. And the other thing I find happens often with with blended families is when we're doing the plan, people get a little mixed up sometimes in the discussion between whether this is a state planning or this is we've broken up and I'm really angry with you planning. And and those are two different plans, Mm. but sometimes they assume, well, you know, what do you mean? You don't want me to have anything. You know, I deserve something. It's like, no, 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 he's dead. You haven't broken up. Like, let's not talk about that. It's that now that person's not here anymore. And now we're planning, we're all still happy up until that point. And I think having those kinds of open, honest discussions are so important and having more than one advisor, because you may have heard something that you can kind of not warn me about, but sort of say, this is a really difficult topic for them. Mm -hmm. So tread lightly when you're discussing this, which really helps me because then I'm not blindsided when I go into a meeting and find out that, you know, the teapot, somebody left somebody three years ago is like the hot topic that gets everybody all worked up. So I think that's also important to be able to play off each other.
1: Absolutely. And it can get, you know, really, uh, contentious, not contentious, but it can, it can become, there can be, you can create a lot of conflict there, right? A lot lot of conflict can be inadvertently created, especially when you're talking about, you know, children, adult children, uh, Mm -hmm. of, of, of each, uh, uh, each individual there that's doing the planning. Um, you know, these are, these are human beings. There's, there's all sorts of emotion that's going to be, that's going to be dragged into this. Oh, well this, you know, my, 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 my new wife doesn't really like my son. They don't get along and, and I don't really like, you know, my 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 new wife's daughter's husband. And I don't mm-hmm. trust like all these kind of things can happen. And and like you said, the more advisors you have, or the more people you have at the table that can say, okay, hey, listen, I've had this conversation before, let's not make that mistake, or or this is an issue that they refuse to deal with, but they really have to. So we have to all come together now to figure out how we can tactfully address this and 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 figure this out. Um, and at the end of the day, I think one of the topics here that that comes up so often um is is clients want things to be you know fair and equal and in a lot of instances it can't be both right mm-hmm. so you know my basketball yeah. coach my, my basketball coach in high school used to say you know <laughs> fair is not uh equal fair is what's fair for the individual right and and, and, and in that respect he was talking about playing time and you know oh. people complain about how come I don't get to play as much as that person it's not fair and he's like no it is fair you i think what you're saying is it's not equal and no it's not always going to be equal but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not fair Uh, and i always sort of bring that up to clients and say well what's the fair thing to do here right and now if we're talking in an example of where we're trying to or an individual who's a business owner is looking to leave their business uh, uh, to a child who's an adult child who's been working in the business since they were young and really has, has committed and sacrificed a lot and put a lot of sort of hours and blood, sweat, and tears into the business. And, and this parent wants to leave the business to that child. That seems fair, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It might not be fair in the eyes of the other, of the, of, of the individuals, of the siblings or the other children, but they're really just saying it's not equal. Like you, you
0: need to
1: Correct. make things equal. We actually don't want nothing to do with the business. We're actually, we've never been interested in it. But, you know, our brother's getting this business and that's not fair. Well, we all know what they mean. It's not equal. Have you seen that before? Does that come up in your practice and how do you sort of navigate that?
0: Well, I I have seen that quite often. And I think that especially when we're dealing with clients who own businesses and whether it's a farming business or any sort of business, it tends to be that most of their assets are wrapped up in the business. That's where Mm. their wealth is. And so they're looking then to, to decide, okay, when I pass away, where's all my wealth going? And you're right. There's probably one child out of two or three that's working in the business and the other two are not. And there tends to be some hard feelings there sometimes because the kid who's working in the business is working really hard Mm -hmm. to try to build something for themselves. But then the kids who aren't in the business have this anger sometimes of, oh, well, you're just going to get the business and we're going to get nothing. And there often aren't enough assets to go around in the business. And then I think to even go further than that, if we have the situation where the parents start wanting to give stuff away while they're still alive. Well, now we have an even greater issue because I find this is when I want to bring in someone like you, because I I say to the parents, "Um, can you afford that? And and everyone kind of looks at me and, and no one stopped to think, well, wait a minute. What do I need to be able to live off of to continue my standard of living? And what are my costs going to be going into to sort of my older age and the long-term care costs? And, and so I have parents that want to give everything away and just kind of rip the Band-Aid off while they're still here to deal with the aftermath. But then they are left without anything mm-hmm. or they're left relying on one or more of their kids to continue paying them in some way. There's usually a tax bill, and so I, I'm curious to get some of your thoughts on on that. When we have clients who are who are not really thinking about, well, what do I need in my actual retirement years? What would you do in that type of situation?
1: Yeah, that's great. We we've seen that a few times uh, recently, and 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 uh, there are definitely solutions to this. Um, it's all about finding the right solution for that particular individual or that particular family, um, and, and and I think the first step here is really uh, being willing, being open to getting advice, and also being a little bit flexible on what the outcome is going to be, because if the Let's call it, you know, the, the 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 family business. It's a it's you know a couple that own that owns and runs the business and it's you know very successful. And they say, hey, listen, this is what we want to happen. We want to start giving stuff now, and this is the way we want to do it. Help us make it happen. What do we need to do? As opposed to these are our intentions. This is what we'd like to happen. What is the best possible way of doing this? Or what is your advice around this? In this specific situation, there's a few things we need to look at. First off, when's the last time you had a retirement plan done?
0: Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I want to take a few minutes to explain who I am and why I started this podcast. I am a tax lawyer and I practice in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. I fell into the practice of tax law despite having a lifelong hatred of spreadsheets, math, and numbers in general. I feel pretty lucky because my day job allows me to have conversations with some wonderful people who are very knowledgeable in their fields of practice. I thought it might be fun to share some of these conversations with you. I know the tax can be complex, but there are some basic foundational principles and key information that you deserve to understand and to know. I hope that when you finish listening to each episode, you feel like you have learned at least one thing that will be helpful to you in your day-to-day life. And maybe we will even give you a laugh in the meantime. But enough about me. Back to the episode.
1: Okay, and and more specifically, a retirement income plan. And I think that, uh, you know, when we talk about financial planning, uh, we have to sort of distinguish between a financial plan and a retirement income plan. Now, to be complete, a financial plan should include a retirement income plan. If you are sort of knocking on that retirement door, meaning you're you're close to retirement. If you're in your just started your career, or you're sort of midway through your career, you're not really even thinking about retirement. The retirement income plan might not necessarily show up in your financial plan. It it might be a line or two, but it's not going to be as in depth as someone that's sort of approaching retirement very quickly, or might have just started retirement, and is still trying to figure out what to do. So that's that's that part. Now, through what is a retirement income plan? What we're really trying to do is use um, the buckets. We want to get a sense of what are all the different retirement income buckets. What are the buckets that we can draw income from during retirement? Okay. What is that going to equal to overall? So if we look at the CPP bucket, if we look at the RRSP or pension bucket, if we look at business income, um, if we look at non-registered investment bucket, if we look at rental income could be one, Um, you know, so lots of different things. Maybe you invented a product and you have royalties, things like that. So let's look at all of that, and what's that going to equal to? Okay, great. Now, here's the part where I feel uh, really needs to be focused on more, especially given um, where we are now as a society. What is the health of the individual? How long are they actually gonna live, right? You've got someone in their 60s or 70s, and they have never had a health issue, and things are great, and they've got great genes, and there's longevity in the family, Do not please create a retirement income plan assuming this individual is going to die in their early 80s or late 70s, because you are not, you are doing a disservice to the client. Please stretch this out. And depending on what your profession is or what association you belong to, most associations in our world will have their rules of thumb. I know the FP Canada has releases them every year for us, for financial planners, Um, I'm sure accountants, the CPA board has certain ones, uh, and for yourself as well. But you know, it should should be in the mid to late 90s, and don't be mm-hmm. afraid to push it even more. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no issue saying, "Hey, listen, your retirement plan is we're planning to 100." Mm-hmm. I, I actually mm-hmm. have no issue doing that. Now, if you're coming to me and you're you are, you have poor health and 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 there is you know some evidence here in your family that people die relatively younger or relatively young, um, then yeah, okay, fine. We can definitely have a bit of a range there and look at worst case, best case scenario. Worst case scenario being, to be clear, you outlive your money. Uh That is the worst case scenario we're talking Uh about here, right? And that's what we want to avoid at all costs when we are planning for retirement. Once we've got an idea of that, now we can start actually reverse engineering, okay? We know, we're gonna assume you're gonna live this long, these are the buckets. This is the total income we're going to have. Are we going to have enough? Yes, there's more than enough. We can actually now start gifting things while we're alive because there's a reasonable buffer there to not worry about again, outliving your money mm-hmm. or no, things are really tight here. A little bit of mar- market volatility, you know, especially a, um, um capitula- capitulation or, 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 or regression of the market early in retirement. As we know mathematically has a larger effect on your retirement income than say a down market later on in retirement because you just have less time to catch up mm-hmm, right that should intuitively mm-hmm. make sense um, that is some if that if your retirement income is going to be really sensitive to that then you might want to hold off on gifting stuff and gifting assets especially assets that either produce income or that can be converted to liquidity pretty pretty easily right
0: well and i, I think your your point too of, of how It's not necessarily that we're going to make that decision and you're stuck with it forever and ever, Mm -hmm. but it's about what we need to do for now. So once you've created this this retirement income plan and and I've watched clients who have gone through this type of a process and it's like there's a comfort there because now they know because I think sometimes the unknown is what causes the stress. And with the increasing cost of long term care and people living a little bit longer, You know, I always say to my clients, don't you want to be able to know that you can go and stay anywhere you need to and have the best care you need to without your kids having to foot the bill because you've given everything away earlier. And so when we can tell them that, you know, you're going to be okay, or here's how you have to switch your investment strategy, or maybe we need to look at some insurance options to get you some liquidity at a later date. um, All of those things give them give them hope. It gives them optimism. It it shows that you're taking control over your destiny and over your retirement, as opposed to just doing that knee-jerk reaction of I'm giving everything away because it feels good right now. And I think it's going to solve the problem to have that pain five, 10 years later.
1: Absolutely. And I'm really glad you brought up the insurance piece because this is where I see an opportunity for individuals who might be a a little bit away from retirement. Right. Um, And you might be seeing by by, this through example, through your own circumstances now where, you know, older elderly parents are having uh, health issues and the expense around care, especially care, um, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it can really be a strain on retirement income. Um, and you're now having to you know assist the the family uh, or sorry your parents in, in in meeting this financial obligation for care and and of course as, as as children you know most usually we want to do that we want to be able to help and be in a situation but you know, things are also expensive and it becomes very difficult sometimes depending on the financial circumstance um but there are things we can do for ourselves today that can make sure that in retirement, if there are some medical issues, some medical surprises, so to speak, that there are certain programs in place to help ease that financial burden, be it living benefits or, you know, certain types of insurance, like critical illness insurance or or, or things like that, that can assist. Um, and I, I do really, you know, I really do my best to speak to individuals, you know, as a financial planner who has a pretty strong background in insurance or very strong background in insurance and a strong and I've seen personally, my own family circumstance, what happens when you have it and you don't mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. think about it as a way to protect your retirement. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I've never met anyone that actually likes insurance. It's a, it's, it's horrible. Conversation to have. You're talking about death or getting sick, and it's it's one of those. Pre- you pay your premiums, and you're like, man, I really hate paying this. But at the end of the day, if you start thinking about it as a way to protect your retirement, a way to protect your estate, to protect all of the hard work and um, wealth that you've created through the hard work that you've put in, then it makes it a little bit more palatable, and you can sort of understand why it's so important. Um, so that's my, my my insurance PSA. But uh, th- that being said, you know. You now you've gotten in this conversation for business owners who are wanting to gift things to their kids and want to do it in separate ways. This is where you come in. I mean, this is where the tax planners come in and can really get you know creative and strategic here with things like estate freezes and wasting freezes and things like that that can maybe you know start giving things, passing things on to kids, especially that are interested in staying and working in the business and still providing for you know some dividend income throughout. And those are great strategies to have, but just be open as business owners and as parents or individuals coming to a tax lawyer, an accountant, an advisor saying, okay, what are the strategies out there? And let's find out what, what helps, what's the best thing for us. And also be open to providing all the information. The more you Mm -hmm. give me, the more information you can give me, the more you can tell me the better planning I can do for you and your family.
0: Well, and I think sometimes it's about the approach. I mean, I was sitting here nodding and I realized we're not on video, so no one can see that I was nodding (laughs) with everything that you were saying. Um, But I think sometimes it's about the approach. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I need to get a will made, um, broaden your horizon a little bit because estate planning is so much more than just, oh, I need to draft up a will. Estate planning is really a conversation about your future. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it is and what your wants and your needs are. And I think the first time that you do a really comprehensive estate plan, it just takes a little longer because we're gathering everything and we're really working through the options. But the goal at the end of it should be that you can sit down with a friend and you can say, here's what I'm doing. I have these buckets. Here's where my stuff is going. Here's what I've done to make sure, you know, my spouse is going to be okay. My child is going to be okay. I'm going to have enough for long-term care. And it's not that you need to know the details of the tax plan or that you need to know, you know, the numbers or the values, but you should sort of at least be able to explain that because this is about you and this is about your future. And so if you're working with someone and you don't understand what's being said to you, or you don't feel comfortable with it, it's so important to ask the question and have it explained again, Mm -hmm. because- We all, I mean, if I was going to go and, you know, take a class or have someone teach me how to fix my car, I would have to ask a lot of questions Mm -hmm. because that's not an area that I'm comfortable with. And I would probably ask questions that would feel to me like stupid questions. Um, However, they're not stupid questions because this is important and it's about you. And so I think that's what I really want our listeners to kind of take away from today is that your advisors are here to support you and we're here to educate you and provide you with that foundation so that, you know, you can go along for four or five years and then realize that something maybe has changed and think, mm, they told me to come check with them if this happened, or I've changed my mind on what I want over here. And you actually have the knowledge at that point to come to us and say, hey, change my mind. This is going on. Do you think we should tweak something? Mm -hmm. Well, now we've done all the foundational work. So it's so much quicker to kind of make that tweak and start thinking about things. But I mean, there's lots of complex planning that you can or cannot choose to do um, when it comes to estate planning. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to what you want. So what's most important? What do you need to live off of? you know, how how crucial is the concept of saving tax to you versus keeping control versus perhaps an equalization uh, versus a continued stream of income
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, versus charitable giving. I mean, all of those things are, are different things that might be important to you. And so there's different tax strategies, but I think we start first with what, what are you looking for? And once we find out what you're looking for, then we can tell you what strategies will work for you.
1: I, I yes, all of that, uh, yeah. Uh, and and I, I absolutely love how you said that. You should be able to sit down with a friend and say, "This is what I'm doing," mm-hmm. right? And and in your advisors or team or or, or 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 if you're working with just an individual, should be able to. You should be able to leave them, basically having that very clear understanding of what's been done, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It, it it it's so so important, and I'll say two things. One is, this stuff is additive. Like it means like you you, you kind of have to do this in steps, right? I, I golf a lot, and and I love actually golfing alone and just kind of being paired up with random people, um, and just kind of a good way to network and and kind of just meet interesting people. And oftentimes, you know, I'll get paired up with uh, uh, an individual, an older individual, and you know, what do you do for a living? And I'll tell them, and they'll be like, oh. Well, should I do, you know, would I, would you do this? And I, I am thinking about leaving my kids names on this joint ownership on this cottage that we have, or shall I ski, chalet in and Whistler, whatever it is. And would you do this and my business? And I kind of want to like do this stuff. And I'm like, do you have a will? No. Well, let's start there.
0: <laughs> Maybe yeah. you need to get
1: the will first, right? Before you start doing all this other stuff, get the simple stuff done, get the will done. Mm-hmm. Right. Get some life insurance or, or review your life insurance to make sure the beneficiaries that were put on there 20, 30 years ago are still the ones you need to be on mm-hmm. there. And things might've changed there. Like mm-hmm. do the simple things first that can be done. And then through that, the more complex conversations will automatically be had, but mm-hmm. you need to start somewhere, right? Don't just pick a topic that you either heard at the water cooler or with your buddies or something or on the golf course. And that's the thing you will kind of want to fixate mm-hmm. on start with the simple. That's that's the second thing. The last thing I'll say here is getting your estate planning done, all of it, and having that understanding is an amazing feeling. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to like have this, cru- I think you and I should go on a crusade and like make us on this like sort of Let's make estate planning a cool thing to do. Like, let's make estate planning cool. I think it's a really cool thing to yep. have all your stuff in order and have that clarity of what you're doing so that you can get back to focusing on the rest of your life and things you're passionate about, your family, your business, your, your health and all that, and not worry about the what ifs, right? And know that everything's in order.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think that's great because I think estate planning is really cool. Um, and I, I hope we're not alone in this, but I think that estate planning, you need to think about it broader than just death. Because I think that's what people that's focus so on. Estate, estate planning is also planning for life. Yes. It's, it's, giving, it's giving you as many doors as possible that you can walk through from now until the time that you die. And if you don't do that planning, you're closing doors for yourself that you don't even know are there. So I think that's important. And I've started telling my clients when they come in. You know, if you're coming in to sign a document, which I know we can sign things electronically now with with the pandemic, but I'm still trying to sign as much as I can in person. Mm. And when we have that in person meeting saying, take it like a half an hour after you're done the meeting and go have coffee and just like cheers yourself for getting this done, because this is not something that you should add to your day as that ugly thing that you don't want to do. This is a celebration. This is a success story that you have taken the time to look after yourself and your family. And if you don't take the time to stop and kind of celebrate it, you kind of go on to your day and you don't really realize what you've actually accomplished. So, you know, grab a coffee, you know, grab a treat on the way home or go for a walk together or do something to celebrate what you have accomplished. And I'm finding that's helping to change the way people are thinking about it and so i'm hoping that that continues because this is actually a really positive fun thing to do
1: absolutely and 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 to the younger individuals out there who are getting a, a head start on this and are you know the individuals that are reaching out to myself and amanda and, and your own your, your own advisors um, and, 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 and are really wanting to get this stuff done. And it's, you know, a lot, and I I don't know about you, but a lot of, in, a lot of younger individuals have contacted me for this kind of stuff throughout the pandemic. Cause they've been home and they've kind of been like, Hmm, I've got some time. Maybe yeah. I should do this. Some of this stuff. Good for you. Feel absolutely proud of yourself, of what you've accomplished and what you've done for your family and and for yourself it's, it's, it's an amazing thing to do. It's the responsible thing to do. It actually, it's the real definition of adulting, I think, and, <laughs> and, and, and good for you. I, I think it's a fantastic, fantastic. first step is just to kind of get that simple stuff going and you've kind of paved the path. Now you've kind of set the tone and you've created relationships with advisors um, who should follow you now and you should, uh, you know, for for, for the years to come, and you are entitled now to annual reviews and Mm -hmm. and, and to contacting those advisors when things change. And even if you are not sure if they need to know this information, send them an email. Hey, listen, I Mm -hmm. just, this just happened. Do I need to update anything? Nope, you're all good, Mm -hmm. okay, perfect. Versus, ooh, you probably should have told me that, and now it's too late.
0: Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) no, that's really wonderful. I, this was a fun chat today. I knew it would be a fun chat. I, I think we we have to do like a series or something. I feel like we have so many topics that we could talk about.
1: Oh, absolutely. We can go on forever. This was super fun. I think we kind of hit everything that we wanted to and um, and maybe and then some. Um, yeah, let's do it
0: again. Definitely. Well, thanks so much for, for coming on today and doing this crossover episode with me.
1: Ah, uh, My pleasure. Thanks for coming up with the idea. And uh, I know I will be talking to you soon.
0: Well, that is all we have time for today. I hope we gave you some food for thought or at least made you smile. Please see the show notes for any resource material that we reference throughout the episode and also to find out more about today's guest. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in reading or learning more, I invite you to subscribe to my blog, the Tax Chick blog, and to follow me on Instagram under the handle at tax.chick. A huge thank you to my guest today, and also a big thank you to my husband who created the music used in this episode. If you have an idea for a future episode or a burning question you would like to see discussed, please send me an email at thetaxcheckpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, then please leave a review and click subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.